Navigating a public image can be challenging. Whether you're building a brand, rebuilding your reputation, or just trying to get on the radar, you need the public to trust you. But does the public trust anyone anymore? And has it ever trusted public relations? Welcome to Deep Dive, powered by Coldwater Communications. I'm Tamara Stanners. Breaking news from Adidas, the company has announced it will drop Kanye West as a partner. Former employee is taking Shell to court after she says she was discriminated against and faced retaliation. Facebook's data sharing with Cambridge Analytica. Corrupt ring of high-level politicians and respected business leaders engaged in bribery, kickbacks, and fraud to steal millions from taxpayers. When you hear the term PR crisis, what comes to mind? A celebrity who runs afoul of the law? A company caught discriminating against its employees or customers? A public official misappropriating taxpayers' money? Whatever the example, a public relations crisis can occur when a negative event or act threatens to harm a brand's reputation. Whether the crisis is personal, corporate, or organizational, there's always a strategy to best navigate a path forward. But how do you develop one? And what actually qualifies as a crisis in today's public landscape? Crisis consultant Betsy Cooper has those answers and many more. With over two decades as a strategic communications expert, Betsy has encountered a vast array of challenging situations across numerous industries. That experience made her the perfect fit for both Coldwater Communications and this conversation about crisis management with Coldwater's founder, Theodore Jean. So today we have with us Betsy Cooper, who is the founder and CEO of the Neighborhood Agency and Coldwater Communications Crisis Consultant. Thanks for joining me, Betsy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Me too. Please tell us a little bit about your experience working in crisis communications. I have worked on numerous programs with clients that are national and international, and we have addressed crises of all different sizes, shapes, forms, from talent, from an acting perspective who have been charged with crimes while they're working with us, to deaths in the workplace, to internal team members or product issues, that sort of stuff. So I think, you know, over my multiple years of experience. I think that I've really worked on such a number of different situations and have really gained the experience and insight into being able to work with clients internally as well as sort of the external audiences to determine how really we want to address things and how companies can best prepare for those situations that absolutely will arise. Working in the PR industry, we hear a lot of buzzwords around crisis, terms like issues management, special situations, crisis communication. What is the distinction between these terms? There's definitely a distinction. You know, I think we talk about crisis management as a whole. We really also want to look at it from a risk management perspective. All organizations are going to manage risks to their enterprise and risks that can turn into issues for an organization. But not all issues turn into crises, but issues can turn into crises if they're not managed properly. I think one of the things, if we're looking at sort of a risk or an issue or a crisis, 
is in many cases, there are warning signs well before the crisis occurred. So it could be an issue, which to me is sort of a lower level crisis or a risk. And if you are well-prepared and well-planned, you may never get to the crisis perspective and the crisis point. So if you are looking at sort of the green, orange, red perspective, I would say green is there's something at risk, but planning in advance will probably let you continue down that path. Yellow is that issue where you need to be heightened aware, you need to put bigger plans in place and get a little bit organized. And then crisis is sort of that all hands on deck, get into that plan. And as long as you are prepared, every single one of those is able to be managed and to be able to come out in a positive perspective. Sometimes I think everybody sees crisis as such a negative. And obviously at the time when it happens, it really is. But I think we can also look at crises as opportunities, opportunities to re-engage with your audiences, depending on the various audiences, and learn more about your organization and learn more about you know, what you do well and how you handle topical issues and situations. And how should an organization approach crisis prevention and crisis preparedness? Well, preparedness is really the word. You really need to be prepared. Every organization should have a playbook. I think that if and when you find yourself in a special situation, that living document can be a lifesaver. And sometimes that means literally saving somebody's life. Ensuring you've prepared for any possible scenario is really key to being able to bring your team together quickly, address the particular situation at hand, and feel confident and comfortable that you're reacting in the best possible way. When you are building out your organization, there should be a document that lives and breathes on an ongoing basis. It can't just be created and live on a shelf. It needs to be reviewed and revised on a very regular basis to ensure it's accurate and effective as possible. And this playbook will help guide you on any type of situation that may arise and bring your core team of crisis management team together to understand who needs to be part of this particular situation and then how to deal with it as effectively and succinctly as possible. So in your experience, when organizations have these playbooks that they update on an ongoing basis, evergreen documents, they do crisis scenarios... How true to form is it when a crisis actually hits that an organization or a business is actually able to deploy what is in the playbook? That's a great question. I would say it's very different for every organization. If I can compare it to students who study for exams, for example, if you are only studying for the exam and only taking in that information for that three-hour period and then it leaves your brain, it doesn't do you any good. So the same holds true for this playbook. If you just create a playbook and you put that information in there when you create it and then forget about it, you will probably not be as successful when it comes time for the actual situation to arise. You need to understand it. You need to review it. You need to really take it on as part of your work, your day-to-day and something that you review on an ongoing basis. It's being prepared. It's being knowledgeable about 
how to handle yourself during those crises. And part of that is training. Part of that is, you know, on an ongoing basis, just sort of getting together with that core team and reviewing what you've talked about and being comfortable and creating those scenarios where you can practice what some of those issues may be and what those some of those situations may become so that you are ready when that happens and so that you do follow those plans that you've put out in that playbook. And that also comes back to having the right team, the right people around the table when you're creating those playbooks and making sure that those are the right people who, when called upon, will act and will prepare the way that you've put those documents together. The documents do nothing if you don't understand them and you don't live by them when those situations do come up. Yeah, it's almost like muscle memory. So when you have some practice, then you just kind of jump into action. But there's definitely something to be said for the impact of emotion, especially for extremely tragic events, adrenaline, everything that kind of comes into play when you're in a real life crisis situation. An amazing point. And I think that goes back again to making sure that you have the right people around the table. So being honest with yourself as well as with the core team that you put around the table, that they are going to be the right people when a situation arises, that they are the people who are confident and comfortable with dealing with panic situations and potentially life and death situations, right? You need to have the right people that you know you can rely on when that happens. And I think this is where a lot of organizations turn to specialized PR firms or PR consultants in those situations to help with the planning, the preparedness, and then, you know, work with somebody who has experience, lived experience, working in crisis repeatedly, who can, with a level head, kind of execute on the plan. How would you say that a leader could create a culture of crisis preparedness? Where does one start? I think the first step is really recognizing that there is always the possibility that something could happen and will happen. And then putting a team together who can prepare for those situations and communicate that to the rest of the organization. So, you know, we recently conducted a training session with a school and one of their first concerns when we talked about that core team was everyone wants to be part of. They want to be in the know. They want to, to understand what's going on and they want to be part of this crisis team. For some reason, it seems like it's this, you know, kind of cool thing to be part of. So that leader really needs to ensure that they are putting the right people at the table, understanding who their leaders are and what they will bring to the table in a special situation, and then communicating just as importantly to the rest of your organization that those people may be at the core, but when a situation arises, everyone will be part of the situation. They will be expected to help carry out whatever the action items are when that situation arises. So, you know, for me, the leader is really the starting point and having them understand who they have, who they can rely on, who they need to take part in this sort of smaller group of people is really a great place to start. And then just as importantly, recognizing who they don't have and how they bring those people in, whether it's, as you said, you know, a external consultant, communications person, strategist, et cetera, where they can be on call for any potential situation that comes up. And, you know, in my experience, most organizations need to have that person or that team as well as an external group 
I once heard that there's no such thing as a PR crisis. There are only crises of leadership. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think both can be true, actually. You know, without strong leadership, a crisis or an issue can become a true public relations nightmare. And there are some situations that no matter how great your leader is, you will get negative response in the media and the public eye and with your consumers. So I think it's how you then manage that situation is where you need to have that strong leader. So I think both can be true, but I don't think you can blame a leader necessarily on a crisis in some situations. Yes, absolutely. It can get drawn out in some cases, but also the strength of your team, right? You know, the leader... Great. Absolutely. They need to, in most cases, be the spokesperson. But if you have a strong team who knows what their roles are, they can help guide that process as well. I wouldn't put it on one person's head necessarily. If I can give you an example, I watched an interview with the head of the train company in the States yesterday and he brought himself out. So he was the CEO and he sat down in a town hall with residents of East Palestine. And he sat and took really hard questions. I mean, as we all know, that is potentially one of the biggest crises ever to hit the US, maybe North America from an environmental perspective. And the fact that he as a strong leader came out and was willing to take the hard questions. He was definitely media trained and trained properly in what he could and couldn't answer from both a legal perspective, a corporate perspective, et cetera. But he was very genuine. He was very real. And I think, you know, while he can't mitigate the situation, I think he might've provided comfort to some of his audiences to appreciate the fact that he was willing to speak with them in person on a very frank basis and listen to their needs. I think one of the greatest things about being a leader in a situation like that is being open to listening to the challenges and and what's going on. They are nowhere near out of the woods of this crisis, but I thought that was a really interesting step for someone to put themselves in the line of fire, so to speak. And I think from my perspective, changed some of my opinion on the leadership of that organization, because before that it was looking a little bit negative and that they weren't doing enough. But having him on board really made me feel like he was listening. And that's a great first step. Yeah. And we definitely see examples where a crisis hits and then the leader is nowhere to be found or they hide behind their internal media relations or PR team, and they just get pre-approved media lines trying to address the issue. But the leader is actually has disappeared from site. So Betsy, if I bring it back from a definition standpoint, are there different types of crises out there? How would you categorize or define them? Absolutely. There are different types of crises. You know, I refer to them as special situations, but they can be, you know, in my perspective, they could be anything that impacts your organization It could be your people, it could be your product, it could be your reputation. Each of these situations really requires significant attention and should always be addressed immediately and strategically. But, you know, crises may be operational. They may be those relating to reputation. And depending on your organization, you know, the size and structure of your organization, they can take so many different types of roles within and outside of your organization and I think the, the biggest piece to me, instead of labeling each type of crisis, is understanding how you want to or how you should 
manage any and all of those and going back to sort of that risk side of things, you know, if you know that you are at risk for something, you need to be prepared. You need to be to plan things out in advance and you really need to understand what those risks are for all of your audiences. I think one of the biggest things that we overlook when we're thinking about organizations and business structures and our risk factors is forgetting about our internal audiences. So our employees and our suppliers, you know, obviously they're critical to your business, but particularly when it comes to a more urgent issue, you need to make sure that you are addressing the internal team first and foremost, and having them understand what the situation is and how you're managing through it. And those issues, you know, if you think about unions and HR issues that can just muddy the waters and can really change the trajectory of an organization, those to me are crises as well. Those are special situations where it may not be something in the public eye that is an issue, but you need to address things internally before you can become successful externally as well. Have you ever encountered an example or multiple examples of crises that have been handled so well that in the long run actually help the organization in terms of brand positioning or help the CEO be seen in an even better light? I'm not sure that it helped publicly for the organization, but I often tell when I start off with my crisis communications training with clients, I talk about my first day. So I worked at a very large organization and I was a corporate affairs manager. And my first day of work, I was sitting in a meeting and someone came in and interrupted our meeting and said, one of our actors in one of our TV commercials had been charged with child pornography. And obviously that is a crisis that you can't anticipate, but probably should have a plan in place now that we know. What I will say is internally, we had a great team and we sat down and put a plan in place. We put together a holding statement. We made our head of corporate affairs available to speak to media at a sort of one-off time frame and really mitigated the circumstance, pushed, you know, our company away from the actor specifically, because really we didn't have anything to do with him other than he acted in our commercials. We all internally felt that that was the right thing to do to yes, address it, say yes, if this in fact is the actor that we've been dealing with, we will cut off all ties immediately and took that proactive, very transparent approach. Whereas the agency that we were working with at the time told us to just avoid all media calls and questions and just sort of turtle. And I believe if we had gone that approach, we would have been tied in with this case for a much longer standpoint. As it turned out, by us addressing it very quickly and being straightforward and uh, transparent, there was very little reference to our company and this person from essentially from that day onwards. They may have referenced him occasionally as, you know, you may know him as this person, but the effect to our brand was absolutely mitigated from that moment. So I don't know that it made us a better company externally. It didn't affect sales, which I think was incredible. But what it did do internally was sort of reinvigorate and 
let our sort of internal organization realize that we were very capable of addressing any large situations as they come across and unexpected situations as they come up. So in a large organization, let's say, would you say that a crisis is bound to happen or that an issue could potentially bubble up at some point? It's just a matter of time. And so is crisis prevention and preparedness an absolute must for any organization, big or small, really? Absolutely. Maybe I wouldn't say they're bound to happen, but I think you would be hard-pressed to find an organization who hasn't had to deal with a special situation at some point. Large or small, things happen. Again, if we go back to you know the types of situations that may occur, it could be internal, it could be external, it could be you know, a death at a a retail location that is completely out of your control. Many, many, many crises are things that are not in your control, but they happen to you. Those are bound to happen, I think, to almost any organization. And that is exactly why it's really important to be prepared for anything so that when something does happen, you can deal with it swiftly and succinctly and hopefully not have it rise to the level of a true, you know, crisis that then we look at for years to come as a case study and what not to do. When I look at these types of special situations, typically when we're looking in, when we're in PR and earned media, we want as much media coverage as we can possibly get. This is the one time in your PR 101 that you will learn that In crisis situations, you do not want your name in multiple outlets. You want to keep it as quiet as possible because you've done the right thing and because you've been prepared. So that's a a great way to sort of look at your success, perhaps, is to uh, minimize any feedback and coverage when that crisis inevitably does happen or issue does happen. And what would you say are some of the general best practices for crisis management and crisis communications? Being prepared is absolutely number one, decisive, proactive, and really expeditious. So if you're thinking through how to plan and how to prepare, you need to communicate with multiple lenses in mind. So again, going back to internal and external audiences, those external audiences may be your suppliers, it may be the media, it may be the public at large, it may be your fans if you're a sport organization, employees, legal, etc. Identifying that small team of experts at the ready, so that core team, typically that would involve people from the communications department, legal, HR, heads of department if you're in a larger organization, that type of group to have that team of experts at the ready. Developing in advance and approving any content, those messages for those stakeholder groups in a clear and timely manner. So when I talked about building a playbook, it's understanding what those situations are and then planning out in advance the messaging that you believe that you would want to get across. Obviously, when it happens, you want to be able to change that up and tweak it depending on the situation, but having something solid that reflects your values uh, to begin with is a really great step. And then distributing and controlling that content to your stakeholders in a very timely manner. So there's lots of examples of, you know, organizations did the right thing, but it was three weeks later. And by then the damage had probably been done. If you think about the recent Adidas situation with Kanye West, for example, 
eventually Adidas did the right thing by breaking up their relationship with Kanye. But I don't know why it took so long for them to figure that out. It should have been a much more timely situation. And one would think as a communications person that if you're in a relationship with a very high profile person, that you would have that plan in place of you know what happens if something goes wrong with that relationship. And then I think finally is making sure that you're responding to your stakeholder inquiries. So once again, whomever your audiences are with pre-approved responses. So, you know, developing those Q and A's and making sure that everybody who is responding to an audience is on the same page and that you're not going rogue on what your messages are, that everybody is on the same page and that it is very authentic and true to life and really bringing in that empathy and emotional intelligence as well. And so what would you say is the role of empathy and emotional intelligence in crisis management? Honestly, I believe that the human element becomes even more important during times of crisis. Anxiety and levels of just sort of heightened awareness and stress come out. And at that point, you really need to understand that this experience is about humans and humans working with humans and knowing that you need to be empathetic to all of the situations or all of the feelings that people may be having around this particular situation. It's really important that when we look at developing our responses and our messaging, that there's a a big difference between a response that is technically correct and then a correct response. So you need to have that emotional intelligence in there that's not just a blanket statement, but it is addressing what we believe, you know, understanding what the audience is feeling and trying to take that into account and addressing that. You know, in a time of crisis, people remember those who take the time to care, who take the time to listen to their struggles and really show true empathy and understanding of their frustrations and their challenges and their situations. And that's why I think employing that empathy and patience is critical. And we all know in 2023, you're going to get people lashing out and providing their feelings and their feedback in any manner. It's everywhere on social media and and everywhere else. So taking some time to sort of take a deep breath and understanding that in some cases, people just want to vent uh, and that's okay. And to not get defensive, but more really be empathetic to their situation and, and knowledge that you're doing your best and you're doing your best to help them because they're the ones who are put in a challenging situation. Betsy, I just want to say a huge thank you for joining me on the podcast today. And I'm very honored to work with you and serve our clients. And I wish you much continued success in the work that you do at the Neighborhood Agency. Thank you, Theo. It's been an honor to talk with you as well. And hopefully at the end of the day, this puts people a little bit more at ease about what a crisis may be and that you can be somewhat planned and prepared for when these situations do arise. It's pretty easy to see the value in being proactive about crisis management after hearing that conversation between Betsy and Theodora. Failing to prepare for the types of special situations Betsy referenced feels like preparing to fail when action is required. When tough questions arise, you need people who have both the courage and expertise to answer. 
which is exactly where we're headed on the final episode of Deep Dive. Subscribe to Deep Dive for new episodes every month. For more information and social pages, visit coldwater-communications.ca. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.